Welcome to the Viewpoint Podcast with your host, Henry Grosek. Welcome to the Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Grosick, and I've got Russell Hanby, co-host for What's Making News Online. Again, welcome again to What's Making News, Russell Hanby. Thanks, Henry. Yes, we've been co-hosting this for a long time now. That's right. We must be getting a bit tired, mustn't we? <laughs> Speak for yourself. I'm quite uh, full of beans and doing well. No, no tiredness for me. That's good. Yeah, well, no. Same here. We're fighting fit, yes. Um, now, you wood. had some homework, didn't you? Yes. we. We. It's funny. We've had more homework this year when we're not doing homework than other years. That's interesting. Uh, but Bonza. Remember we talked about Bonza and you wanted to know, uh, A, about the spelling uh, and also where it came from? Yes. Well, what did you, what did well, you well, the most common way people do spell it is with the A, B-O-N-Z-A, but I read one source that said that in proper English it's meant to be B-O-N-Z-E-R, but I think the S, we mainly call it Bonzo with an A. And, of course, we know it means first rate or excellent. It could be called the Australian equivalent of the American awesome. Uh, when you say it's awesome, it's Bonza. Now, um, there are various theories of where it did originate, but the most accepted one seems to be it came from the Spanish word bonanza, which sort of makes so, sense a bit. Did you watch Bonanza? Yes, I did with Hoss and all of those and <laughs> on the old black and white TV. Uh, anyway, it seems to have entered the use in Australia around 1900 to 1905. 1900 uh, that, to 1905, yeah. What does Bonanza mean? Oh, that means very good. In fact, uh, Bonza, Bonza or Bonanza tales, they're tales of good fortune or people. I think Bonanza sort of meant like a gold uh, find, didn't it, or something? Uh, yeah, Bonanza, yeah. And then, of course, it was the, ray, uh, the TV show starring um, Lorne Green and uh, – was it Lorne Green? Yes, he was the, in it, the big lie, yeah. Yeah, um, and Parnell Roberts and uh, – That's right. Who was the person who played – he played in the Little House on the Prairie, died of, uh, of cancer, I think, uh, Little Little Joe – Little Joe, yeah, I don't know what his name was. Yeah, um, anyway, Michael Landon, was it? Yes. Michael Landon, Lorne yeah, it was Green, good. It was a good. I think it's still uh, playing. Parnell on, uh, Roberts, and who was the big fellow? Hoss. Hoss, uh, I, I, I don't know really. Yeah. Who was he? Yes, I got three out of the four. Yeah, Hoss. <laughs> um, forgotten him. He was the big bloke. There were yes. three brothers, and Parnell Roberts left to become a director. Well, for those people who are not familiar, we're talking about an American um, frontier TV show that was very popular in the late sixties, I think. Sixties, I think. Yes. Yeah, and um, I remember entering a competition, and uh, if you won it, you got a free trip to the studios and you got to see Bonanza on set and meet the stars. I didn't get it, of course, but that shows you I was only a kid at the time. Um, so, so and oh, oh, was, this very popular. To, was this a prize to go to America? to uh, Yeah, it, that, when they were promoting yeah. it, when it was at its height. It, uh, the Ponderosa, yeah. remember? That's right, yes. Remember that theme? It was a great theme. I think our listeners will turn off if they hear you and me, too much. Are <laughs> oh, we going back in time? So out of anyway, all well, of that, we'll get back to Bonza. 
Yeah, now the first time it was in print, C.J. Dennis uh, in 1915, he, his poem was The Sentimental Bloke. And uh, mm. one, one of the lines in it that says, Watching behind the orchards, bonds are green, the flame and wonder of the setting sun. And that's where he used the word bonza. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Oh, he, actually, he, he actually spelled it with an E-R, but there you go. Mm. It's turned into bonza. Well, thank you for that. You're a font of wise information and useless and useful information. It's not ah. useless. It's always interesting and gives context to everything. But, yeah, there's always a reason or three behind everything, I would think, Russell, isn't there? There is, yes. And during the break that's coming up, uh, you'll be able to look up Hoss, so won't you, to tell us who it is after the break. Uh, Cartwright, wasn't it? No, they were yeah, all, that was their names. They were the Cartwrights. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, Ben they were Cartwright, the Cartwrights. Little Joe, Hoss, and um, Adam. Adam was in at the show. See, look at that. That must have had an impact on me. Yes, it's all coming back into your little yeah, brain. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and you'd see the picture of the map and the Ponderosa and it would go up in flames. Remember that was part yes. of the song? Oh, God. Oh, we're, we're really reminiscing here. Let's get on to something that's, uh, that's uh, current and important, Russell. And by the way, thank you for that. The age. Are you better off in super or in property? Now, this has become a bit of a stoush between uh, the political parties as we move into the final stages of our election. So we're not going to be at all party partisans here. And I think actually when you look into it, it's probably difficult to be so anyway if you're going to look at the evidence from the experts. But savers would be would have been better off financially keeping their cash in superannuation instead of withdrawing it to fund a house deposit over the past decade, new figures show. Now... Who have put these figures together and what does it say, Russell? Well, there are different, as you say, it depends who's putting the figures together. Uh, but for someone who did invest housing over super, their returns are supersized if they bought land in affluent neighbourhoods and they quote the North Shore of Sydney here. Now, uh, if you save your money in super, you would have made 157% cumulative return on the super over the past decade if they'd invested in the median high growth options of the super. That's according to research House, house uh, uh, Chance West. Uh, apparently, uh, they call it a research house, Chance West. As you say, it depends who you're looking to. Now, CoreLogic, their figures show that house values rose 84.3% over the past decade, which is only a little over half the return of high growth super. And uh, Australian units, units, uh, buildings, they manage only a third of super's return. But home buyers in Sydney's northern beaches uh, or similar would have gained about 145.9% over the 10 years. They have a median of about 2.7 million. That is, the housing's becoming pretty well competitive with super. Now, buyers in less affluent areas, well, it is a bit questionable whether better to keep super or buy property. And, of course, if you're purely looking at the financial side, you'll come up with that. But the other reasons, of course, to buy a place, there are a lot of home buy uh, advantages like security of home ownership. That is, you can actually live in it and uh, you're not renting. So it's a mixed bag, that one, isn't it? Look, it's complicated and there's so many ifs and buts and ends and alls. Um, so I guess at the end of the day, it's very difficult to be 100% definitive in either direction, which probably means that to some degree um, on that score, um, it cancels out much of the debates that we've been having out there. Indeed, on yes. On both sides. And, of course, mm. uh, yeah, there's, there's so many other there's so many other 
issues there and I'm sure we've read about them in the papers from both sides of politics uh, in recent days, Russell. That That's right. The public doesn't need us to regurgitate the political <laughs> messages. <laughs> in fact, I think, actually, I was reading a piece the other day about the election and um, it's interesting, six-week election campaign. People are sort of over the election. I'm wondering, sort of, do we need six-week election campaigns? What's the purpose of that? Well, apparently many people more this year have voted early, haven't they? So That's uh, another thing. A lot of people thing, have voted early, and that's an interesting one. I think some of the reasons are people don't want to be caught out with COVID and then being unable to get to the polling booth. You can still access otherwise, but um, that's one. Some, I guess, have made up their minds early, which, which is interesting. A higher percentage of people... Um, have made up their minds early and exercised their votes. So it'll be very interesting. And the polls in recent years haven't been a very reliable indicator either, have no, they? No, no. And they always show with the parties becoming closer than they, they sort of, they say they're a fair way apart at the start, no matter who's in charge or in the top. And then they get closer in and then it becomes, you've got to really wait, wait for the day, don't you? Or even uh, after. And then, and and then, of course, it's almost state by state, and often seat by seat. So, you can't apply a uniform swing uh, across all the electorates in all the states because uh, they're very different. Um, and um, a swing of three percent one way or the other in one uh, electorate or state could be cancelled by four percent in the other direction just in a particular quirk of fate but um yeah the figures are out there they look at the moment um what are we now two days out from the election it it all the polls are suggesting a close but narrow win for labor which would mean a change of government if that were to be the case but um it's a marathon and there's still what a day and a half to go russell and it is, yes. Is your school going to be a polling booth uh, this yes, year? Yes, I think mm -hmm. a lot of schools are. Ours has yeah. been a polling booth for federal and state elections through, since we opened 33 mm -hmm. years ago. So, yes, they'll be here in force on. They'll be here Friday got, night to set up. Have you got your um, democracy sausages on the go? Will they be right? No, we have, we're not actually this time. Our school council yeah. had a look at it and felt that with the high numbers of people who are pre-voting, pre-poll voting, pre-poll pre day voting, uh, the numbers down, um, and they were down last time, but actually come and vote, coupled with flu and virus infections, people may not want to stay in a queue for too long. So um, there's a lot of reasons why it's not the great big uh, potential little fundraiser for schools. Um, we're certainly looking at hiring a coffee van to come as a caterer and uh, service people and... Uh, that might make uh, make some sort of comfortable difference while they're waiting in their queue. But beyond that, no, we're not. Okay, right. Oh, well. Yes, I'll be just going on the day to my local primary school here and uh, we do that every time they have one. And uh, in the recent years, the queues haven't been too bad. It depends on the time of day and everything, doesn't it? That's go. true. It does. It does. We need to take a short break, Russ. When we come back, we've got heaps of work to do. So um, yep. enjoy your short break. Welcome back to Viewpoints, listeners. I'm your host, Henry Glossack, and we're in the middle of What's Making News. That is Russell Hanby, my co-host, and myself. Welcome back, Russell. Thanks, Henry. Uh, yes, you were going to say I was something. going to say we're off, off to Rainbow Collaboration, the first article after the break. Absolutely. From the uh, kids with autism or rainbow brains are making friends and building social skills by playing video games together in groups. 
and the innovative Next Level Collaboration Program has been rolled out across Melbourne. The group served to teach children 15 targeted social skills, such as taking turns, giving instructions, asking for help, using a quiet voice and encouraging others. And that they use gaming culture, which the kids love, as a teaching tool to model the identified skills. Now, the children love uh, attending these classes or the, uh, these instructions, uh, and they develop new meaningful skills and make friends in the process. Uh, currently, there's workshops in uh, Brunswick West at Campbell, T- Campbell Turnbull Library, but it'll be rolled out in other suburbs soon. So that seems a good initiative for those people uh, uh, with uh, autism and other neuro illnesses. Mm, it's um, it's one of those conditions that can really have a well, it does have a huge impact on people's lives, doesn't it? And yet, if we can deal with it in ways that assist people to um, to deal with the limitations that autism can place on them, um, that is so much so much the better. It's interesting calling it rainbow brains, isn't it? Yes, it is. I haven't heard of that before, but uh, it's an, quite a nice uh, expression, I suppose, isn't it? Mm, interesting. Yeah, much. Uh, you might like to bring to our attention next week why they're called rainbow brains. All right, I'll do that. Yes. Oh, you sound so keen and enthusiastic, Russell. Mm, I know I am. That'll be good. Yes. That will be. That's an interesting one. It's important too because um, children with autism often, I think, have, uh, get left behind a little bit uh, in in schools over time mm-hmm. and uh, that's just that's just not fair anyway. i've been watching a few episodes of love on the spectrum which is very insightful as much as anything mm-hmm. follows old mm-hmm. young uh, young adults and uh, uh, dating sort of thing yeah yeah the herald sun russell hunger for expert help victoria's long Record long lockdowns have led to a spike in eating disorders, resulting in a 300% increase in demand for support services throughout the pandemic. Yes, uh, there have been 360,000 Victorians who suffer from eating disorders and only a quarter access help. Uh, The Eating Disorder Victoria nurses uh, spoke to more than 900 patients last year. And the pandemic increased the number of sufferers and also had an impact on those who relapsed. Now, eating disorders are about a coping strategy when people feel they cannot control their lives and uh, lockdown prevented the practising recovery skills and socialising into the community. Now, there's been a 53% increase in people with eating disorders presenting at uh, emergency departments at the peak of the pandemic. Uh, so it's, a, it's quite a serious thing, this. Now, the state government is to give $20 million to support the 3,200 Victorians with the disorder, and that will create 15 extra acute care beds in Melbourne. But uh, yeah, it's one of those hidden things. You don't think of that as another uh, side issue of the pandemic, do you, the eating disorders? No, but uh, when you stop and think about it, Russell, it, it's entirely... It's entirely um plausible isn't it you know, we were under great stress and um, yes. you're stuck there and um, I think it's long been held eating can make you feel feel better um, in terms of eating too much uh, and of course the other side control you know um, and that's another eating disorder isn't it people can feel like they need to control something and they can control what they're eating so there's a whole spectrum of um, possibilities that could lead to an eating disorder of some sort. It is, yes. So uh, anyway, uh, hopefully uh, those people will recover from uh, from their illness. 
Yes, absolutely. As we, of course, we're not out of it yet, Russell, are we? No, no, the numbers aren't plateauing. They're plateauing, but they're plateauing well over 10,000 a day, the reported ones uh, in Victoria, and uh, it's not getting any better in a way, is it? No, it's not. It's um, it's different. But um, I know at the moment we're hearing of schools closing uh, partially or totally because uh, staff shortages due to a combination of um, flus hitting the, hitting the scene and COVID, plus we're got a very short um, uh, list of replacement teachers. All the agencies are strapped for numbers and so you can't get adequate replacements which is placing a huge burden on schools programming resources and schools everywhere are cutting back on programs just to provide the core classroom teachers. Uh, so it's it's still significant there. And, of course, the numbers of kids who are getting COVID, uh, they can just burst out in any particular day or week at a school and decimate a class or um, more than a class. So, yes, um, we're, we're back at school, but it is a very rocky road. And it's, of course, the flu is bad this year too, which is causing a lot of absences, isn't it? Yes, yes. Well, they've been predicting that for a long time. So when you get a combination, it's almost unfortunately a perfect storm. We've got reduced restrictions. We've got heightened risk of flu. Um, we've got lots of unvaccinated children still. Um, and we've got the winter weather months coming up. Uh, and when you couple that with chronic shortages in replacement teachers in all systems, uh, it's making it very difficult for schools to operate anywhere near capacity uh, in a different way to last two years. And, uh, and the high schools or secondary colleges are often sending whole levels home on certain days to cope, aren't they? Or mm, saying, and so it's, and, but the idea of having you know, three classes in the library doesn't really work, does it? Or four I classes in the gym doesn't. I yeah. mean, there's another issue there too, isn't it? I mean, how many we're, – we're, we're trying to spread kids out. So when you put a large number of kids in a reasonably confined space, um, that's not – being very effective, especially when you've got reduced numbers of teaching staff and support staff, and that's why you've got these big open areas uh, internally with a lot of kids. It's a, it's a, it's a hard call. But then I guess Russell, you don't have to look to too many other professions and industries. I think everybody's doing it. It very, very tough. This segues um, onto what else? Uh, well, we sort of covered about the, the last item, didn't we? People being sent home as the flu hits school, so it's the odd spot, I suppose, yeah, now. That's right. We lead straight into odd spot, and that's a that's an interesting one. Do you want to talk about it? Are you sick of yeah. spilling messy Mexican food? <laughs> well, I haven't had it for a while, I must admit. Uh, but, but anyway, sick of spilling uh, messy Mexican food such as burritos, tacos and wraps on themselves, a group of Baltimore universities have come up with an ingenious invention. Their edible product, Tasty Tape, can be used like sticky tape to tightly seal wraps, preventing them from repeatedly falling open, and a problem that frustrates diners all over the world, as well as parents who pack their kids' school lunches. So that's an innovative thing, this uh, Tasty Tape, to keep it's your ham the sloppy hamburgers and things together. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good one, I reckon. It's a, you know, people come up with all sorts of interesting ideas, because it is easy to spill those 
It's lovely to eat, but it's easy yes. to spill, isn't it? It is, and particularly if you squeeze, if it's like a hamburger bun or something, it's so easy to squeeze, and the whole lot comes out the other side, and uh, you either can't get to it quick enough. Of course, red beetroot on your white shirt—that does great oh. things for you too, doesn't it? Yeah, and also fish oil. You know, when you've got a yeah. of sardines or something, and you spill yeah. it. Oh, yuck! Over so there. this might be a good idea. It might be like be a great uh, one. might taste just like sushi. You know, the uh, skin of sushi, the uh, seaweed that they use, or whatever. Absolutely. All right, Russ, that takes us out. You've got a bit of homework and you've got um, a weekend and a few days to do it. Right, yes. Well, I'll get onto that as, as soon as I can. I often like to get it out of the way early, then I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> Good <laughs> idea. I wish everybody had that sort of discipline, Russell. That was Russell Hamby, What's Making News. Listeners, we'll take a short break. Don't go away. You've been listening to the Viewpoints Podcast, hosted by Henry Grossek and produced by Rob Kelly. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review and rate us via Apple Podcasts. 